Greetings. One must not get one's knickers in a twist. Hello and welcome to the History Emporium and Powers podcast. Now, it's been a couple of months since I last recorded a show. Um, I have done a lot in the last couple of months, so I have a new job and I have moved house. So I've been busy, busy. So massive apologies about not being able to get this episode to you quicker. However, I've got a few more lined up, so hopefully I'll be able to churn them out and um, you'll be able to listen and enjoy. This week's episode is called Who Put Bella in the Witch Elm? Was she a German spy? An allied or British spy? The victim of a black magic ritual? Or just an unfortunate passerby? It was April the 18th, 1943 and the sun was going down over a large country estate in Worcestershire, England, and four teenage boys were running through a stretch of woodland. Bob Hart, Tom Wilters, Fred Payne and Bob Farmer were trespassing on the land that belonged to Lord Cobham. These boys were looking for some escapism from the nightly bombing raids by the Luftwaffe that were causing havoc over Birmingham, their hometown. The boys were on the hunt for a rabbit or two that they could hunt and give to their families as supplements for their wartime rations. Bob Farmer spotted a witch elm that is named for its strange appearance. He decided to climb into it, hoping to find a bird's nest. The trunk is hollow and he looked down in it. Bob could see a glimmer of white and he thought he had found a bird's nest. Next, he placed his hand to grab it. When he pulled it out, he was in fact staring at a skull. Not of an animal, but of a human. There were clumps of hair still attached and crooked teeth protruding from its mouth. The boys ran as fast as they could and promised never to tell a soul for fear of getting in trouble. Despite the promise that they had made, the seriousness of their find weighed heavily on 17-year-old Tom Wilters. Shortly after he returned home, he told his parents about what he and his friends had found in Hagley Woods and they alerted the police. The area was soon cordoned off. Inside the ominous-looking tree, they found a woman's skeleton. Disturbingly, her hand was missing. The bones were discovered scattered around the tree. A cheap imitation gold ring and size five and a half crepe-soled shoes were found a short distance away. Scraps of poor quality clothing hung from the bones and a piece of fabric was stuffed inside the mouth of the skull. 
indicating that the victim had been suffocated. The medical examiner, Professor James Webster, concluded that the woman was around 35 years old, had irregular teeth in her upper jaw and light brown hair, and was only five foot. He also determined that the woman had gave birth to a child in her lifetime, and estimated that she had been dead for around 18 months. Professor Webster's findings made him certain that the death of this unknown woman was murder, stating, I could not imagine a woman would accidentally slip in there, neither do I think it's reasonable for a woman to crawl into that place and commit suicide. He also concluded that the woman had been placed inside the hollow trunk before rigor mortis set in, the stiffening of the muscles following death. Otherwise, the body would have been too stiff to fit inside the narrow tree trunk. Professor Webster also maintained that the victim would most likely have been killed close to the spot where she was found. Otherwise, the killer would not have been able to transport her body to the tree before the rigor mortis set in. Following the discovery in the Witch Elm, Worcestershire police contacted every dentist in the area, hoping that one of them would recognise the woman's distinctively protruding teeth. They also trawled through piles of missing persons reports to see if they could match any of the descriptions of the deceased. Neither line of inquiry turned up any leads. The investigation then turned towards personal effects found at the scene. The crepe-soled shoes were traced to the waterfront company, Lancashire, and investigators were able to find the owners of all six pairs, which had been sold from a market stall in Dudley, a town approximately 11 miles from Birmingham. The complexity of the investigation caused the trial to become colder with each passing week. The numerous tragedies of war soon distracted the public and the police attention away from the tree murder riddle. The woman remained unidentified and the case was quietly forgotten about. Then, about six months later, mysterious graffiti began to appear in the area. In Christmas 1943, the first graffiti messages appear. The first message, written in chalk on the side of a house in nearby Old Hill, reads, Who put Lubella down the witch elm? This was the first time that a name had been connected with the deceased woman. Over the ensuing months, similar messages appeared, all written by the same hand. Gradually, they took on the same word form, who put Bella in the witch elm. The graffiti rang with the implication that somebody knew who killed Bella, but appeals by police to find the artist all proved unsuccessful. In the late 1940s, new messages started to appear, asking the same questions. Was this a clue or a taunt? The case became a holden grip on the nation. The combination of mysterious messages and the lack of an identity for the victim prompted fanciful theories. One notion that surfaced early on the night of the investigation was that Bella could have been the victim of a black magic ritual. According to an anthropologist, Professor Margaret Murray, the fact that Bella's hand was severed from her arm and the bones scattered bore similarities to the occult, known as the Hand of Glory. She also concluded that the murder was somehow connected to another case potentially involving witchcraft, the murder of Charles Walton, who was stabbed and pinned to the ground with his own pitchfork in the nearby village of Lower Quinton. 
it was noted that the plant Belladonna, also known as Deadly Nightshade and Witch Hazel, are both widely associated with the occult, and, according to the local legend, so is Hagley Wood. The fact that Bella was inside a tree rather than being buried was an indicator of a ritualistic slaying. According to Professor Murray, the theory that Bella was executed for some crime against a coven quickly gathered steam and remains a favourite theory even today. Investigators working on the case dismissed this theory, declaring that the bones from Bella's hand had simply been scattered by animals. During World War II, several German spies were captured in the UK. As a result, in 1953, the case of Bella and the Witch Elm attracted a new line of inquiry war espionage. The Wolverhampton Express and Star received a letter from somebody who identified herself only as Anne of Cleverdee. She claimed to have information on the identity of Bella and she was interviewed by a journalist, Wilfred Jones. According to Anna, Bella was a member of the spy ring seeking information about the location of local factories that could then be targeted by the Luftwaffe. Anna was later identified as Una Mossop and she alleged that her RAF pilot husband Jack Mossop had witnessed Bella's death. She said that Mossop told her that he had become involved in a spy ring along with a Dutchman called Van Rout. One evening Van Rout, accompanied by a woman, Mossop believed to be Bella, had picked up Mossop in his car Shortly after, Van Rout strangled the woman, allegedly because of her spy associations. Another version of this story claims that Jack Mossip and Van Rout had been drinking with Bella in a local pub. She became drunk and passed out. The two men then placed the woman in the tree to teach her a lesson. When she awoke, she was unable to climb out and perished. However, this theory doesn't explain the discovery of the tattered scarf inside her mouth. Whichever version was reported to the newspapers has become obscured by time. But what now is known is that Jack Mossop died in St George's Hospital, Stafford, before Bella's body was discovered, allegedly recruiting nightmares of Bella's skull stuffed inside the tree that ultimately led to his mental breakdown. Van Rout was never found and investigators considered Mossop's testimony to be nothing more than heresy from an estranged wife told 12 years after the discovery of Bella. In later years, declassified MI5 files gave some weight to the spy theory. The files revealed information covering a German spy named Joseph Jacobs who was captured after breaking his ankle while parachuting into Cambridgeshire in 1941. After Jacobs' arrest, a creased photo of the glamorous German actress cabaret singer Claire Baudel was found in his pocket. Jacob told his interrogators that Burrell was his lover and that the Third Reich had recruited her as a spy. According to Jacobs, Burrell had parachuted into the West Midlands in 1941 and disappeared. Could Burrell have been the woman Una Mossop had mentioned? Joseph Jacobs was never able to shed any more light into Burrell's fate and he was executed by firing squad in 1941. However, it is almost certain that Claire Budel could not have been Bella for the simple reason that Budel was tall, around 5 feet 10, whereas Bella was only 5 feet. In addition, in 2016, it was discovered that Claire Budel had died in Berlin in a hospital in 1942. 
Alongside all of these imaginative theories, there was a speculation that Bella may have been someone with a translucive life, a person not easily traced in life and thus not particularly missed in death. In August 2014, BBC Radio 4 broadcast a programme that suggested that Bella was a prostitute who worked the streets around Hagley Road. According to police files, Bella had disappeared in 1941, which would fit the timescale of events. Locals pointed out the fact that gypsies had camped in the vicinity of Hagley Wood during 1941. Perhaps Bella was one of them and had been killed by a member of her own community. Yet another suggests that Bella was a local barmaid who had been killed by an American GI. With no concrete evidence to support them, these various theories ultimately led nowhere. One straightforward and perhaps most plausible hypothesis is that Bella was a homeless woman with no loved ones to report her missing. Quite simply, she may have been a woman who just fell through the cracks. As the decades passed, the mysteries continued to grow. The sinister-looking tree, the severed hand and the whispers of witchcraft and espionage have combined to weave this tragic tale of an anonymous woman's murder into darkly fascinating legend. Rest in peace, Bella.